Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40 with Chris, Willie, and Trevor, part of the Nova Insider Network and brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Back to you. It's been a little bit of a break for us. What is it, a week and a half? Lots happened since, though. Um, I think it's been two weeks. Has it right? been two weeks? Fanta was like the 11th. That's it, Yo, you're right. It was 16 yeah. days. Yeah, no, you're right. It's we, a two, week, two and a half weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Two so, weeks. 2-0, something students in the states of Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Connecticut cannot claim. I'm going to say something. We're 2-0 yeah. and, and we haven't podcasted. Do we ever podcast again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, this is see it. you next time. And as always, <laughs> let's go Nova. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, look, it's it's amazing how, especially early in the season, like, the, the ebbs and flows of how you feel about a team just shifts just so dramatically just based on just based on like one result to the next right like we played ostensibly a, we played made a great comeback against Creighton but if we don't send that game into overtime or if the refs don't send that game into overtime and and then and then we don't win that game in overtime we're having a totally different conversation today. Just like the, a couple buckets here or there makes all the difference in the world. Vastly different. Yeah. yeah. But that's showbiz. That is that Finger is gun. the game they play. That's so. what happens when you hit your wagon to the Villanova roller coaster wildcats. Yeah, <laughs> I could have I done better. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll workshop it. The Villanova roller cats. That's, that's a little bit better. There we go. Um, but, but, but. Hey, two and zero, right? And I believe I, I, it might have changed. It probably did change over the last couple of days. But at one point in time, there was only two road wins. John Fanta tweeted this out. There was only two road wins in the entire conference, and both were ours. So, which is road, huge. Road cats. Yeah. Well, road cats. Which brings me to my first topic. Jay Wright is not allowed to go to basketball games. Oh, Jay Wright can't go. He's not allowed to go. You brought this up like during the Bahamas. I was like, eh, whatever. Like, that's cute. And after the St. Joe's game, I was like, oh, no, this is real. (laughs) Like, (laughs) this is real. Gerald, sit your ass at home. I think he has a TV. He can watch at home. He can do what we did. I know he was celebrating the birthday. He probably didn't even have the game on. But, um, yeah, keep doing what you did when we were away. Um, Let's just – do whatever we have to do to ensure that this team performs. Or like, if you want to show up, like don't let anybody know you're there. Like you can't, so I guess you can't really come to a game at the pavilion because everyone's going to know you're there. This <laughs> but is like, like, it's an old reference, but do you remember back? Like this is like 25 years ago when Terry Frank, uh, not Terry Francona, God damn it. Bobby Valentine was the manager of the Mets and he got ejected from the game and then came, came in back in disguise. Like, <laughs> like, the mustache and whatever. like that's what Jay Wright has to do. He can't announce his, it can't be a thing that he's at the game. Yeah. He has to silently attend in costume. I I mean, I'm pro, I'm pro it. I, overall, so, oh, go ahead. 
I tweeted this out and somebody was just like, yo, I'm not going to stand for this J. It was T-God. T-God said, I'm not going to stand for this J-Hate. And I was like, it's not J-Hate. He's a mush. He's just yeah. a mush. Like, let's just go. Like, it's everybody has their game day superstitions. Like my, my brother during one of the tournament runs who he would watch at the same seat in the library that he was writing his thesis mm-hmm. um, and watch every game there. He would go to the same bar in New York for the other tournament runs, every single game that he would watch, he would watch the same plays trying to be as close to, if not the exact same as it was before. So everybody has their thing. Jay's thing is going to be watching at home. Exactly. Yeah. Like Chris Jenkins hit that shot because when I was standing in that bar, my right foot was lifted up slightly and I couldn't move it. And so I said, that's it. And he hit the shot. I was like, that's because of you. Like this title is is part of you. Like Jenkins hit, I put my right foot down and arch slips and we're going overtime. So, you know, everything you do at home has an impact on the game. There's an entire always sunny episode about this right before the gang wins the Super Bowl. Everything you do has an impact on the game. I love that the cosmic energy of the universe shifts if you shift. It's true. You know, it's also something that is also true. It's totally unrelated. Whenever the camera angle is at a different camera angle than just like the normal one for a, a game, we play worse. That's that's just a fact. If they show – if we're on defense and they show mm-hmm. the other team from like the, co- the the view from the other side of the court, so you're like They're going to score. Down at the yeah. basket. They're definitely going to score, and if it's for us, we definitely miss every time. Wide right, like just about clanking off the right eye, hundred percent every time. If it was the correct camera angle, it would be it would be good. Turning over, referees slipping. Speaking of slipping referees, did you see Lamar Jackson? What happened in that game? That complete aside, but I just thought about that. (laughs) Yeah, but I think that ref still handled the situation better than the refs at the end of regulation against Creighton, where they had the opportunity to make three decisions or four decisions at this point. This happened 10 days ago, almost. It's seven days a week ago, and I'm still angry about it. Like they made three incorrect decisions that were clearly incorrect in a row. And then we're just like, I don't, so, know, I don't know, give Creighton back the ball, what, I guess. What, so what, what doesn't make sense is, like, if we're breaking that down, the first one was the ball is very clear, clearly in Shireman's hands. Very clearly. Obvious. Because they can't go back and call, like, that's a stupid rule, but because they can't do that, they have to ignore that. Okay, that's one thing. The miss happens. <laughs> the ball is very clearly tipped off a Creighton player. And very clearly does not go out of bounds. Does not go out of bounds. <laughs> so then you're like, so then there's like, okay, well, they called it out of bounds, but it wasn't out of bounds. The ball's tipped off of Creighton, but they call it off of us. But then the, the I think the thing you go at the end is Shireman hit that shot as the time expired. If they let that count, I was I, terrified. But I think they would have been able to go back to the shot clock violation if he had hit that because it was a made basket situation at that point. Oh, but no, maybe it hit the rim. I don't know. But like, I, if if Shireman hit that shot, if that counted, I would have. It would it would have been all we would be having a very different podcast right now. <laughs> we would have had an emergency podcast of which yeah, we would have I been spacing, over. Yeah, it would have been. A, it was James breeding, right? Yeah, it was breeding. It's always breeding. He's always involved in any shit show that this conference has from a refereeing standpoint. Him and Jeffrey Anderson. But we finally hit the Eric Dixon pin down three to tie to get us the lead slash. One of our two inbounds plays. You only need two. 
It was from the it was from the corner, so a little bit more efficient. But hey, like we'll take it. Um, did I roll my eyes so big? Like the second that play drew up and I saw Eric take the shot, I rolled my eyes. Not because Eric was gonna miss it, but I was just like, come on, this shot. And then he made it. I was like, all right, well, I guess I was I guess I'll accept it. <laughs> I think I had texted you guys, or maybe it was a different chat that I'm uh confusing, but I was like, I really hope we just make it a one shot possession and don't give them any time. Like I'd I'd rather us go to double overtime than take a quick shot and give them the ball and the opportunity. And but you know, I don't know anything. So um <laughs> give me the Dixon, give me the points. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. Yeah. Whatever it takes. So there was a Creighton game, obviously, which again a week ago. So it's it's fully marinated in everyone's minds. Chris, I yeah. want to go back to something from the Creighton game for you though. But um something you tweeted when we were down 14 and we were or when we were making the comeback of just like being proud of the team's fight. Um, or you maybe put it in our group text or whatever it was, but essentially saying that like there's so many times that we're proud of like, oh, this team's coming back and they don't quit and they fight. But then, you know, obviously we won the game, so it's happy, it's even better. But like I, I forgot what your tweet was exactly, but that that being a common theme, if we're going like narratives of like this team does fight, and I'm proud of them for that. Um I'm glad they shouldn't always have to. They shouldn't have to. So there's the that's narrative number two. We shouldn't always have to be fighting. Why? 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 I'm proud (laughs) of your fight, but I'm not proud of the fact that you surrendered a 14 point lead when you should never have done that. Yeah. Yeah. Questionable lineup for a four minute stretch, three minute stretch. I don't know, but that basically blew the game open when it was what was it? Nana, Archie Diakono, Hazen. Hazen, Bamba, and Burton. Something along those lines. I know those the first three were. The first three should never be on the floor together. I they all yeah. have reasons to be on the floor, especially with Arch, especially with Justin out. I get it. Yeah. But never and, on the floor together. And I'll say this too. Like I I was more so joking about it before the UCLA game, but Nada and Joku is playing good minutes. Yes. Uh, every game he's played in, he's making an impact on defense and he's getting some garbage buckets. Um, just his rebounding and his presence, just having another big that you can just be like, all right, good luck getting a shot up over him. Cause I think he's like that six, nine fake six ten, Um, but he has a crazy vertical, crazy athlete. Um, I've been really happy with how he's played in his limited stretch. And then it kind of seems like he's taken a lot of those backup minutes from Lance Ware recently. Can I also add that he fouls hard? Which, yeah, which, which we will, need like a dog. Yeah, no, no easy buckets. Yeah, let him know. Like they should yeah. feel you. Yeah, maybe he should foul a little bit less. Like we'll see. Probably. We'll work on the less. Yeah. We'll get like give me like two hard fouls. You don't need four. Yeah, but they're <laughs> and they're not like they're not like Theo John hard fouls where yeah. it's like oh this guy's just trying to hurt somebody. It's like <laughs> no, I tried to block the shot. You just got in the way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Turkey uh, Theo John was playing fucking Smash Brothers out there. <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. Oh man, but but I agree with you. Like he, it's good hard fouls. He 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 prevents a bucket. You don't really get. He hasn't. He's not going to get a lot of n ones on him, which is like important to me, right? And and I I like that. I like having him on the floor, and he is providing. Like we said earlier on the season, like earlier maybe last year's full forty episode, I forget, or this year's opening episode, one of those where we talked about, like, can Nana and Joku spell Eric Dixon at the five for 10 minutes a game, five, 10 minutes a game? 
we aren't thinking too much about where at that time, but the combination of where and Nana and Joku is doing that. Yeah. Right? So like we're getting the big man play aside from Dixon that we, that we need on this squad, um, which is, which is, which is terrific. And it's, and it's, and it's been, and it has been a notable thing that's happened in several wins now where Nana and Joku has came in and made winning basketball plays, which yeah. has he been, like they were talking him up a lot in the pre in the preseason and you know before the season started. Has he been that? No, but Probably but he's not, been really no. good. Yeah, yeah. It's always been something to impact the game in a positive way. Again, like you you wish it wasn't always a foul, but he had back to back blocks in that UNC game. He always seems to have like a big big time block. Um, granted, it's it's in between like two sets of fouls, but. Um, He's going for the blocks. He makes those garbage buckets. When he would play last year, it would seem like he would always get a dunk off a miss, um, which was which was huge um, just for just for morale. Um, but now that he's not playing in in garbage time as much, uh, he he does get little little dinkers and dumpers at the end of a possession, or just kind of cleaning up the glass, um, which is all you can really ask for of him at this yeah. point in his career, I think. And he's been he's been delivering that. We do need to talk about another bench player who's not much of a bench player. Sorry, you're hearing the squeaking of a cork um, as I am drinking on this episode. Um, we had to talk about Hakeem Hart, who has been an absolute revelation. He has been so fucking good. Like, <laughs> just so good. Like, the DePaul game was great because, like, oh, you could just see it from accounting numbers. But all season, he's Since been Since UCLA like, especially, yeah. I even go back as far as like as far it's not even that far Kansas State where like yeah. he shut down Taylor or yeah Perry Taylor Tyler Perry wow um, he shut down Tyler Perry and like Perry like they got that switch on Lance Ware so he could make that shot because he was avoiding Hakeem Hart Hakeem Hart in two maybe three games has just stolen the ball on the sideline from um, a person like just who grabs it out of their yeah, hands and just yeah. grabs it out of their hands. He did that versus Creighton, did that versus Kansas State. He may have done it versus UCLA. Like he's a great defender. I I mean I I understand the starting Mark Armstrong. I don't, and I'm not even really advocating for Mark to be benched per se, but what I am saying is Hakeem Hart deserves to start. Like, and I know that realistically means, yeah, Mark goes to the bench, but like, it's more of a play on Hakeem's play and how good he's been. And if it's not starting, we damn no, sure know he's going to be finishing most games because even though, yeah, he's a guard at six, eight, or he's a guard, he's six, eight, he's versatile defensively. He fits every single lineup we have. He's sneaky, one of our best three-point shooters. I know the four for four will help, but he's been consistent um, and also best three-point shooter on this team. Like, eh, doesn't really mean that much. But he's still, like, despite how unorthodox his shot is, it goes in. Like, I'm confident when he goes for three. I'm like, yeah, he'll, he'll probably make the shot. Um, he's aggressive. He does all the right things. He's just a winning basketball player. Like, this is – I think we probably called this out a while, maybe beginning of the season – are we talking like X factors or glue guys? Like he is like, if he's not on Seth Davis's all glue guy team, that's a mistake on Seth Davis's part. No. And, and at least for me personally, you know, he's made it when one of my friends creates a, uh, a meme of the player with some form of a glue stick, glue uh, <laughs> canister, something involved that go like we, we, it first started with Jermaine Samuels, the Elmer's yeah. glue thing. And then Dixon, when he was more of the glue guy the last couple of years, 
they did like a gallon jug of uh, of glue, and now Hakeem Hart is the glue stick. Um, that's a good, that's actually a good nickname, the glue stick. The glue like, stick. The glue stick. <laughs> um, like and and even like we go back to it, like it it doesn't necessarily mean benching Mark. Like you could take Jordan's spot, although Jordan's playing really well. Maybe Bamba's yeah. spot, who can't find the bottom of the basket right now. Um, he, but he's he definitely to figure needs, it out versus DePaul. I again, like I struggle. DePaul is one of those games where I'm like, it's hard to take anything real from this because it's DePaul. But we lost to Drexel. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but as I said, Drexel is one of the best teams in the country, and I'm glad they got to play Bryant um, so that so that Bryant could experience playing a top contender uh, after UConn dodged them. But um, going back to it, like this was Hakeem has been playing so well that it was like everybody's like, how? Well, at least me, I've been like, how did we let this guy leave Philadelphia? Um, granted, his class was like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, and Chris Arch and uh, also be- and Eric um, Eric was in that class um, and I think Caleb might have come in that year too so it was like there wasn't necessarily room for him but like he's one of these guys he's he is one of these transfers that feels like he's been here the entire time um, and he's just making winning plays and he deserves to have that if not starting the sixth starter kind of role that kind of minutes allocation and definitely in that closing lineup. Yeah. Hakeem Hart is, I mean, it's funny that you brought up Jermaine because it was, we were talking last year about how this team lacked a Jermaine Samuels figure and how we were talking about how in 2022, we maybe didn't appreciate Jermaine Samuels throughout the regular season enough. In the tournament, he was obviously like super scion, Sunday tiger mode, like, like Jermaine Samuels mode, but, but it was, but we were missing like the Jermaine Samuels and all of the stuff that he would do for a team throughout the regular season last year. And he has been that guy, Mm -hmm. uh, no doubt this, this season. Um, And a little bit better from a scoring standpoint, like so like front than Jermaine was, in most games on average throughout a season. More consistent, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, so, like, he's just been phenomenal. And if it wasn't for Eric Dixon going absolutely bananas again against Ryan Kochbrenner, Hakeem Hart would be the runaway alpha dog of the week. Absolutely. Yep. But but it's Eric. But, but it's, again, again, Eric – I mean, Eric Dixon is making a legitimate case for Biggie's player of the year. So – so he is so, so like so like you, you can't like he can't jump that but yeah but Hakeem Hart is Hakeem Hart's been fantastic I'm just you just threw me off of the player of the year because I was like I hadn't been thinking of it but I was like it's him Tristan Newton and like I guess Kolik but like Kolik's been good but like that's probably your three Kolik hasn't been super special yet yeah um there was a uh some accounts were talking about this today um like two games two games into it and it's yeah um people are saying soriano because of his numbers but you know i i i don't buy that necessarily just because i don't think i don't know it again we're two games in um but yeah eric forgot he delivered that pizza to his coach too though so joel soriano pizza pizza delivery man of the year yes thank you brian (laughs) 
Shireman is also on the list. Shireman's on that list, but can you really be on that list if you don't hit a three against Villanova? <laughs> he took a stupid ass shot too. <laughs> he, he almost made it to like that was yeah that was nuts. But again, like and I don't know how to say how to talk about three point defense, but holding Creighton to five of twenty four in an overtime game from three is nuts. Um, part of that was probably that they were off and we got lucky on some open shots, but um, we have a lot of length on this roster that's getting in the way of people, I think. And it's finally starting to actually show like bad teams aren't just making everything against us anymore for these two games, at least. I mean, with the Creighton game, and I want to talk about DePaul, but Creighton, we like, we had our, uh, at least of all of our major games we played, I'm trying to get um, to <clears throat> early season. We only had four transition possessions. So, like, we were not running. We were very much like, all right, this is, like, what we're going to do. Four, I believe, is the least that we've had. I'm um, just looking at Synergy right now. Um, if it would let me scroll. Oh, here we go. But that game yeah. itself was, like, I, I think it well into the second half, it was, like, two to two in transition yep. or something like that. Yep. It was not a game played in the open four. No, which obviously, like – leads in our favor um yeah so yeah i mean yeah four is the least we've had all season which from our side like is absolutely huge and then if i even look at it from a defensive side like what do we prevent creighton from doing creighton creighton had like 14 defense uh transition possessions but out of 85 possessions like we really slowed them down so i think like that plays into that and obviously like we're really good defensively just like it, it, our defense is up. a thing. It's yeah. a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a thing. It, yeah. It's not a flash in the pan anymore, yeah. officially. I mean, what we like, we we did it to Maryland, and you're like, all right, whatever. Maryland, Maryland's probably like bad, and like they're not that great. We did it to Memphis, and you're like, oh, maybe Memphis is overrated. Memphis is really good. Memphis is good. <laughs> Memphis is good. We've like, I mean, UNC, they put up 80, but it was overtime. We Creighton like 66 in an overtime. It was out there. Yeah, 66. Like, we really have been there. And I, I mean, we're long, we're versatile. We spoke about this before. We understand like what we bring to the table. We have depth. Are we always playing them at the right times? No, we'll hopefully connect. We'll learn that. But like we have the depth, we have the wings. Like honestly, the weak spot on this team is like true guards. Like it's, it's Mark and yeah. Arch for true and Hausen for like true guards. That's like the weak spot on this team. Like Justin and, Longino, like you could, we can throw Justin at the four, and I'm not worried at for a second. You can throw Longino on the Longino has been on big man. Obviously, we switch everything, yeah. but like this defense is very real, like which is awesome to see. Um, to the thing that we've given Kyle a lot of guff for of like, oh, defense and rebounding is our priority. Um, hey, it's working to an extent. We still want to see that offense get better, but then you look at our offense. I think Ken Palm, we're probably like 33rd, 39th, whatever it is, um, somewhere in that range. Um, so like, I guess it's not, that's not bad. I mean, if we can hover around there and you're, around I think it's skewed a little bit after the Butler result. I mean, Butler to Paul result. Um, but yeah. Yeah. If our offensive rating, if, if our shooting percentage is yeah, literally true. just a situation in which we are going to have a regression to the mean, as I like to say, I can't even say the things I like to say anymore because Brian, <laughs> but but if <laughs> hi Brian 
I can't hear you. <laughs> but if we regress to the mean on shooting percentage, yeah, and that's on that alone, our offensive efficiency would go up a lot. Like we'd be we're thirty fourth on Ken Palm right now. We could easily jump fifteen slots if our just shooting percentage improves to where you would historically expect the guys on this team to slightly to above shoot. average, yes. slightly above average. We jump smoke spots. Yeah. And like, we saw that versus DePaul just to talk about that game. Like I know it's DePaul. There's not like a lot to read about it. This is really bad. What's happening over there. I, I feel like I want to go save that program and just be like, Hey, if you're from Chicago, $5 million in NIL, how do I get it? I don't know. We'll deal with that later. Um, but re- regardless, like we did what we were supposed to do versus a bad team. Like, we didn't do this versus who the hell do we play in the beginning of the season? Why am I Lemoyne or um, whoever the other heck um, American American yeah. throw, throw it on the ground. We didn't do it versus them. We didn't really just like dominate. We did that here. Um, I was, I mean, obviously like a big thing was we also hit our shots in the ball game. And if that's just like a reset moment coming for us, where we're going to start hitting our shots the rest of the season, it could be a fun season. It could be. I mean, if we hit those shots and get back to our overall season percentage of where we where we thought we might be in the beginning of the season, yeah, and it's just like one of those Eric Pascal like in 2018 where he was like oh for his first 27 and then was absolutely lights out from there on in. Yeah, we're going to make the third weekend of the NCAA tournament. <laughs> so when I said it was a good season, that's what was in my head. I didn't want to put it on tape, but here we go. <laughs> No, I don't give a fuck. I'm just... <laughs> we say all this, and next week we're going to lose the Xavier. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Because Jay Wright's going to fucking show yeah. up at the game. <laughs> I'm hoping he has New Year's plans and is going to be golfing somewhere with, like, the Villanova Club of Florida or something. Like, let's let's just get him away from campus for a little while. I do think his CBS schedule picks up soon. So Thankfully. I think he will be on the road a little bit more. <laughs> the worst part is going to be when he's on the road for Villanova games. <laughs> we usually get Georgetown on CBS. That's uh, we're going to, we're going to lose Georgetown roulette because Jay Wright's going to be calling the game. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> um, so can we talk like, so on the DePaul note, I just one point on that, like, I was really happy with that game purely because we had a task in front of us. Beat a bad team, right? It's on the road, so yep. you never know. Day, game before Christmas, you're coming off a good win. You never know how everyone's going to feel about that, right? We're on the road versus a bad team. You go out and you absolutely fucking throttle them. And that is exactly what a what we've come to – know and love about our Villanova teams over the last 10 years. That's what they would do. Right. And so, and so like, does that mean that we're going to be the 2018 Villanova Wildcats? No, but, but is this a, is that a good sign going, going out and just, and just absolutely stomping all over a bad team? Yeah. That's, that's what you have to do. That's what we have been lacking. And so for the mere point that we've been lacking that throughout the earlier part of the season to see it happen and come to fruition. Perfect. That was one of the few times we've, to your point, we've looked like an old school, old school, like Villanova team from five years ago. Like that was like, 
and since the Neptune era started, that was one of those games where I just felt like you, I mean, you all remember the feeling of like, okay, cool. First half we're up 10. Then all of a sudden we're up 18 or early. And then you just kind of like turn off your brain and you just see the team like just coast and make great plays and like play together. And like, you're like, all right, this feels good. That's how we, that's how a lot of it felt. That was how this DePaul game was. Once again, it's DePaul. It's probably like, we're no, we're no, we know we're going to get into rock fights. We know the Xavier game, we're going to blow a 10 point lead and then we're going to have to like scramble to like pull it back in. Um, but it was good to see. We're showing the right flashes, which tells me like Kyle's doing some stuff right. It's just we need to start being consistent. That's just really what it is. My criticism for him for that the entire course of his thing is that he hasn't made the whole better than the sum of the parts. Yeah. Um, last year that the parts were excusable to not be good enough even as a whole or as greater than the whole to make a tournament run after further review. This year they were. And right now we are on track, right? Like like we're not a bubble team right now. Right? Yeah. Like this is this is very clearly a tournament team. So for that Credit when credit's due, right? Like, this team is defensively really good, right? Like, it doesn't just happen by accident. So so you credit the coaching staff, you credit the veteran leadership, you credit the roster construction on the defensive end. This team's got to hit shots, right? Like, and when Justin Moore comes back, which I'm assuming is going to happen after, after New Year's, but when Justin Moore comes back, He's got to make sure that he comes back in a way that doesn't disrupt the offensive flow, which is crazy to say. It seems insane to say. I don't think it's crazy to say. Yeah. But the offense has looked has looked better for the last for the last sixty minutes, sixty five minutes of basketball that we've played than it has all season. Not even and just sixty five. Yeah. DePaul, Creighton, UCLA was kind of meh, but like Justin was out most of the Kansas State game, and we looked good. Yeah. Like, the um, what we've been talking about, and I think what everybody's realizing, like Justin Moore, incredible basketball player. We know that he's been that guy countless times on Jay Wright teams, and and uh, he did what he could last year. But what we've been seeing this year with him out is the ball moving more freely. It's not sticking as much. Guys are getting more into a rhythm, and it's less. Oh, Justin has the ball. He's going to dribble this and try to back somebody down for 18 seconds and then try to force a rotation that isn't happening. Um, so the team is learning to play without him. And and Chris, as you said, like the challenge now is going to be integrating him back into the offense and making sure that it doesn't revert back to how it was on opening night when it's just like, oh, it's my ball. I'm going to try to back this guy down. It's not working. Eric here, corner three. Oh, you're double teamed because my guy can help right off me here. Um, okay. Like we, we, we need to hope that they're seeing the difference in the film from before Kansas state and after DePaul and, uh, make those adjustments with Justin. Yep. And that's assuming like, there's been no indication that he's coming back, but there's also been no indication that anything major is, is, uh, is happening here. So I think we're all expecting like Xavier or, uh, or UConn to be, his uh his game yeah. back right yeah my expectation so i want to this is something i did with you guys on the thread but like i want to talk about the kind of like the chunking out of this season and what we have to look forward to in the big east season a little bit so we're in leg one i, I i've 
when I look at the schedule, it kind of divides kind of nicely into four five-game parts. Um, but before we do that, but before we do that, let's hear from our sponsors at uh, <laughs> at Homefield. Sorry. <laughs> it's like perfect time. Today's episode of the Full 40 is brought to you by Homefield Apparel. Homefield produces some of the best quality vintage collegiate apparel on the market. You won't find better game day gear anywhere else. Homefield has the ultimate collection of old school logos and looks with the best quality around. Shop t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodies, bomber jackets, and more at homefieldapparel.com. Don't forget to use code NOVAINSIDER for 15% off your first purchase. That's code NOVAINSIDER at homefieldapparel.com. Isn't that just the most natural ad read you've ever seen in your life? <laughs> it's just so natural. It's, like, it's, like, for, it's for I totally audio, don't see your eyes reading across the screen. <laughs> all right, at least I pronounced bomber jacket correctly. Um, all right. With that not-so-subtle interruption, Chris, we so, have a big so, preview to go into. Yeah, four five-game five game kind of tranches of this season. And we're in the middle of the first, of the first leg, which is – at Creighton at DePaul, then a home, then a three-game homestand of Xavier, St. John's, and DePaul again. That's like one, which are two and zero so far. So, so based on the fact that we've beaten Creighton already, I would say that the goal here is five and zero in this in this leg. Yep. Um, but at four and one at an absolute minimum. You there? Um, and then if I was to go into that from before, Chris, you're all over game, the map. Can you hear me? He's all right for me. He's all right for me. Keep going. Right. Um, okay for you. All right. All right. Yeah. So if I'm, so if I'm reading this right, so like before the creating game, I would have said four and one. So like now I'm, now I'm at five and oh, cause like you got three home games versus two middle of the, Till middle of the pack, Big East teams and, and the worst team in major conference basketball, other than Louisville. So, like, you got to go out and win all these games now. Um, leg two at Marquette. This is the hardest leg of the whole entire schedule. At Marquette, UConn at home, at St. John's, at Butler, Marquette at home. Those are four. Those are five. Tournament level team. St. John's and Butler will be on the bubble, um, or at least are on the bubble at the moment. But but those are five tournament teams. And Marquette, UConn, we play Marquette twice in that leg, are are like top four seed level teams. It's so like, five quad one games. It's gonna be essentially. Yeah. Yeah, effectively five quad one games, like maybe a Q2 somewhere in there. I don't know where it is, but it's not there right now. Um if this team goes above 500 in that stretch, it would be an unbelievable accomplishment. Yep. But after you win at Creighton, you don't have to win at Marquette and at UConn anymore. Like you just like the goal of the season was to grab one of those away games if you could. You do have to take care of business at home, but but like but like yeah, like that's that the 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 most important part of this whole season is going to be games like at St. John's, at Butler, at Providence, like like at Xavier. Those games are going to make or break the season, and you have two of them in that stretch with at St. John's and at Butler, in addition to having UConn and Marquette at home. And you're at Marquette. 
that time too. So it's, right. it's and I think this is what we even said earlier in the year that our chances, our seating, everything would kind of be uh, dependent on how we do against the middle of the Big East. You have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. So the Georgetowns, the DePauls, the maybe you slot Seton Hall into that group. But of course, they just beat UConn. They just killed UConn. So the middle of the Big East is going to be so difficult to navigate. And you just have to win the games you're supposed to win. And I think you're setting yourself up very nicely. Um, easier said than done, obviously. But yeah, that's just opportunities there. I mean, this is, I think I've said this before on the pod, but like when we look at the flow of the season, these five games are the games to define yourselves. Like we've set, we've done the work in non-conference with the wins. Obviously the losses have been bad to like set us up to be like, all right, we're in tournament position. The Creighton win, as long as we hold serve at home, puts us in position to be like, we're going to be a top eight seed at worst. As long as we hold serve at home and beat the teams we're supposed to be going three and two in this split or with these all being realistically going to be quad ones, like may, like you said, maybe one of them drops, but like it's on the road. So I'm highly doubtful for like St. John's or Butler that they're going to drop out of that. Um, but this is, this is the money time. Like this is like, if, if we do well, if we go 500 or I guess three and two, or even two and three, and like, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. If we, if we pick off Creighton or Marquette in any one of those games, the, the, outlook on the season for myself completely changes of like what are what we can do like it completely changes if we go three and two in this stretch i'm like okay we might be talking about a legitimate like frankly contender for the big east champion like for the big east title like yes like, like, three and just, two puts us at, in that stretch yeah. absolutely puts us in the big east title talk yes so like this this is that money this is that stretch like this is money time this is where like show us who you are um, so I'm excited about it. This is I've, this stretch is like why you love college basketball, you know. <laughs> that is a that is a tough stretch though. But like that's yeah. that, but, but realistically though, that is that has every possibility to be like an 0 and five stretch yes. too. Like and if it's hundred <laughs> percent. And the good thing is, we should definitely raise alarm bells if it's 0 and five because that was five in a row, five losses in a row is terrible. But as long as we do take care of our business earlier, it doesn't sink us. Yes. Now it's not good at all. But like it's it would test the theory. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 this is why you go back to like one, and you look at our next three games: the Xavier, St. John's, the Paul homestand. Yeah. And you're like, and you're like, this is why that's so important. Exactly. Because we you have to win those, those games yeah. because the next stretch of five games is so difficult. Yep. You got to get it done. And we're at home for all three, so it's like you, you got to take care of business. Yep. You, you just got to. The third leg, Providence at home, at Xavier, Hall at home, at Georgetown, Butler at home. So you have a stretch. This is another – we were talking about, like, how you construct, like, a a winning or a potential tournament-level team. Like, Willie, you were talking about taking care of business at home. Providence Hall and Butler at home. Providence is absolutely a tournament team right now. Hall beat UConn, but otherwise has been not great. But I think they, with that win against UConn, you can elevate them above the Georgetown and the Pauls, like clearly a different level. 
and Butler at home, right? Like you got to win those games. You got you got to win all three of those games realistically, even though Providence is really good. And then at Georgetown, you have to win. You have to you have to sweep Georgetown this year, right? Like Ed Cooley will eventually get them to be decent, but like you have to beat you have to beat Georgetown twice this year. They're really bad. Uh, at Xavier is tough, right? Like we won that game there last year, right? We will be favored, at least based on what the metrics currently stand on now, will be favored to win that game this year. You kind of have to win that game, but a Sean Miller coach team is going to be a tough out at Cintas in in late January, early early February. With a win that – or with a game that like realistically – I mean, every you need to win every game, but like at home – a team that will have like a good resume that like barring the wheels falling off us as a tournament team, like that's going to be a win that Xavier needs. Like realistically, if they're going to put themselves in the tournament position, like beating us, that's the game where they're like, all right, it's not great. It's not great. And it's not UConn. It's not Marquette. But if we can take Villanova at home, like that's going to help us a lot and build our resume up. Um, yeah. I mean, I, these Providence games are the first Providence game. Thankfully it's at home. I mean, we all know what Providence is. Bluff, I'm going to say some nice stuff about Providence. Um, I mean, I fucking – when I love the program, just shout out to the Providence program, but love Kim English. Like, been a big Kim English fan since he was playing at Missouri. Um, I, yeah, Trevor is anti-Kim English. No, I'm not anti-Kim English. I think he's fine. Anybody that was in the same organization as Darren Hilliard is obviously a high-caliber individual. <laughs> Uh, um, losers of losers of 28 straight 27, <laughs> yeah 27 yeah <laughs> i just i providence praise hurts me i know they're a good team but you know i love that team i love that program <laughs> like what's the, like devin carter also we're talking about a person who could maybe yeah devin play. carter was the one that we missed yeah. in the earlier yeah. conversation but like devin Big carter playing shot. himself to be an nba player let's just miles powell yeah. And then I think we had that last stretch. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't see the comment section until yeah. just now. And I was like, you just called out bluff. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so good. That's better than the original. It's better than the original. If you if you see the YouTube uh, the Twitter comment section, that's that's a um, um like four is tricky it's at yukon georgetown roulette at providence at seton hall and home against creighton that's, that's a like, tough yeah. stretch that's like the second tough stretch and it's like yeah again it's... three and two would be huge um three and two would be huge there you need you need to beat georgetown you need to hold you need to sweeping creighton would be huge um, we played really well at UConn last year. I don't know. Well, that was before they kind of went on their tear. That was like their, their low point of the season almost last year. I think if I remember correctly, this is end of season UConn Klingon's back in the roster and, and it's not an Excel. It's a gamble. Yeah. We're at gamble this year for UConn. I, that's that's we have, we have one down year and they move us to gamble. Yeah, they moved us to fucking Gamble, bro. Like that's that's rough. <laughs> gamble is tough. Is that further into Connecticut or is that close? Yes, 
it gets yeah, further it's into worse, Connecticut. Even worse. Stores is is just yeah. yeah. Um, stores, stores is New York North. Come on, <laughs> the Garden North. <laughs> um, yeah, at UConn will be a mess. I think you have to be Georgetown at Providence. That student section is not something that you know you want to encounter. Um, that's like people in Villanova stands take notes. <coughs> that's what it should look like. That's what it's supposed to be like. Um, that's the nicest thing I can say about uh, Providence right now. Um, and then at Seton Hall, they always play us so tough, especially the end of the year. Um, yeah, you need you need to find three wins. I think you need to find at least two wins. At least two, stretch. for sure. I mean, and it'll depend on what happens. You know, we go 5-0 and yeah. in that first original stretch, which isn't going to happen, but we go 5-0 in that stretch, it's like, who cares what happens back there? Because we're, we're locked in. Or at that point, you're probably like, oh, you want to go 2-3 and three so we can lock up a top five seed, you know, yeah. or whatever. Well, that's the weird thing about the schedule, right? Like, we go, like let's just play this out. 5-0 and in like one, which we talked about is eminently reasonable. 2-3 and three in like two, which is hard, but – you got to find two wins in leg two. Four and one in leg three, which might be the tallest task of them all, but four and one in leg three, and two and three in leg four, and you have a 13 and seven conference season. Yep. Right? Which is probably putting you second or third. That's what, in the beginning of the year, that's, that's what we talked about would probably win the conference this year. Um, just knowing how close these teams would be and, and how much of a bloodbath it would be in the middle. Um, that's if, if we go back, we can probably find us saying 13, 7, 14, and 6 probably wins. Yeah. But that would be that would be a credible accomplishment. Yet it's in certain stretches, you'd be like under 500 in two separate stretches. <laughs> it's just it's just such a weird, it's it's a weird schedule in that it's like all right, this is the, theoretically the an easier part of the schedule that we're in right now. Then it gets really fucking hard. Then it's moderately easier not easy but like winnable all winnable games and then another tough stretch to begin with to, to end so it could be the roller coaster is not over <laughs> is kind of the point here is that we are going to be up and down it's gonna be tower of terror yeah that's the new roller coaster but got off space mountain but you go five and oh here let's just say yes five and oh here three and two in leg two Four and one in like three, and you find three wins, you're 15 and five. You probably won the conference. Yeah. So I've been silent because I'm on uh, my favorite website, uh, T rank. Yeah, I'm on yeah. Torvik messing around with it. Um, and I have us, so I have us in winning stretch this, the, the, the next three games. So five and oh, I have us going three and two where we lose both to Marquette. So like, let's say we drop both to Marquette. We don't beat them, but we do get Connecticut at home. Then I have us going four and one with losing at Xavier. And then I have us going three and two with losing at Connecticut at Providence. And I'm even going to get wild and say, we're going to lose at Seton Hall. So we're adding two and three. What Torvik um, predicts there is a five seed Villanova. Like, I take it. That's that's what that's what we're that's the potential we have here. And obviously, yeah. if we don't drop both at Marquette, or if we don't lose something on the road to like Seton Hall, we're probably looking closer to like a four seed, if not a three. As it stands right now, 
if you were to ask Vegas to set lines for all the games for the rest of the season right now. So basically looking at Ken Palm, right? Like, and saying, what would that look like? We would be favored in every game except for at Marquette, both UConn games, and at Providence. And really? Marquette at home would be a pick em. Wow. I did not expect that. I thought I thought for sure there'd be like a road game that we wouldn't have. No, like pro- our projected record on Ken Palm is 13 and 7 yeah. for, for the conference. So like so he's got four L's like showing up off on the schedule. Yeah. But but our but our but but the projected record where he just adds up the percentages yeah, yeah. is is 13 and 7. So like like there are three games, right? It, it makes sense, right? Like there are three, four games that are going to make or break kind of like this this whole season. So, yeah. but yeah, I, to me, to me, it's it's not about how you do at Marquette and at UConn this year. UConn and Marquette at home important. Creighton at home important, right? Like, can we win of those of those remaining five games? Can we win two of them? If we can win two more of them and basically split with UConn, Creighton, Marquette overall, whether we match up poorly or, or better with one of those teams or another, like whatever, I don't care. If you could split those three versus those three opponents, that's amazing. And then, and then, and then the most important piece of the schedule is how you perform at Butler, at Providence, at Seton Hall, at Xavier, at um did I say at Butler at St. John's yeah. like that's gonna be that that's that's the whole season in the in the basket right, right there. Yep. And yeah to your point it's about not even just at it's also then like protect home court. We realistically you can't outside of the Connecticut Creighton's Marquettes of the world and like maybe you're giving one mulligan you have to protect home court. And that's just Without that, we're not we're we should, we're not having this conversation in a couple weeks. Specifically, the next three games is what I'm talking yeah. about. Trevor, uh, I think we should just win all the games, and then we don't have to worry about it. Personally. Yeah, that's. But, a good point. <laughs> I don't know. You've been sitting here pro- prognostic. Prognost- I've been whatever. I've been looking for. I, I was looking for my other glue guy memes that my friend Matt made. Um. <laughs> um but yeah, I uh, like we said, those those harder stretches are critical. But it it all falls on to you have to beat the middle and be able to rise above those guys in the middle. Otherwise, it's you know they're never going to be the only bad losses out there are are Georgetown and DePaul. We get that, we know that. Yeah, you might be depending on on how I have more faith in Georgetown, believe it or not, than DePaul, which is shocking. Um, but those are the only bad losses that sit here right now. Um, so it's just really about Butler, Seton Hall, Providence. Um, and uh, who am I forgetting? St. John's. St. John's. Yeah, St. John's. Um, make them have to order another pizza for Patino after <laughs> uh, Eric Dixon takes Soriano to the woodshed. That's all I want to see. As of right now, T-Rank has a 94% chance of making the tournament. 
which I think is kind of expected at this stage. It's a 94% chance of just Kyle Neptune keeping his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's called Spade Spade. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, to your point about no no loss is going to be truly bad other than Georgetown or DePaul, Georgetown is 205 in the net. DePaul is 284 in the net. Seton Hall is 88 in the net, and everyone else is top 60. Every other team is top 60. So basically every other road game that we play will be a quad one road game. Like that's just correct. That's just what it is. So like racking those up. <laughs> yeah, we have one, two, three, four, five, six quad one guaranteed games yep. left. And realistically, three more home quad one games. So nine quad one games remaining. If you can get five Minimal. of those, if you can get five or six of those. We're, we're Which, by the way, we're, we're three and zero in quad one. <laughs> so, and Eric Dixon is playing like a player of the year candidate against quad one teams. <laughs> That's true. That's such a weird thing about about him. Um, we awarded him the Alpha Dog of the Week. We have to hit the Shaq Fit Man Play of the Week. So, why don't you guys go ahead? Uh, well. I think if it's just Willie and I were confused because time doesn't exist between, you know, right before Christmas and through New Year's. So we thought that these were uh, two different weeks so we would have two awards to give. I thought um, if TJ Bama connected on his first dunk in the, uh, what was it, the Creighton game or the DePaul game where he like stuffed himself on the rim and then he made one in the second half. Um, that was DePaul. Yeah, so that was a candidate, but I, I think if we're only giving one award, I think both go to Eric, just the, the game-winning three um, after his, till that point, 29 and, and 8 or 10 or whatever it was, performance. I, I'm not – yeah, it goes to Eric. I, I want to give a shout-out to that. I mean, it was we were having fun because it was DePaul, but, yeah. like, that flurry of, like, oh, we're just going to try and dunk it on people was fun to see, like – Everybody had like, screw it, I'm going up. (laughs) Burton had a putback. Burton had the steal and then a dunk. Bamba had his. Mark was like, don't leave me out of it. And then just like (laughs) dashed into the lane and went up. And it was like, wait, whatever, he got fouled. But it was just, it was very clear. Mark was like, I'm just going to go and try and dunk. That was very much a Jermaine and and Slater thing to do, where it was like, I probably would miss this layup. I'm just going to try to dunk it through this person. (laughs) And it works. So, yeah, huge plays. Um, Everything goes to Eric. Yeah, everything goes to Eric. Well, I know we're kind of we were getting closer on time, but we wanted to wrap up here, um, kind of with our New Year's resolutions for the team. Um, just things we're hoping for coming for, for the new year. Obviously, it's what December twenty seventh. Um, so we have another, hopefully, four months of Villanova basketball. Um, realistically, three. We'll probably be upset in mid March. But what are we hoping for in the next three months? What are your wishes for the team? Any resolutions that the team should have? My biggest resolution is that we have a we have a result that is definitive about this season. So, like, I want an answer one way or the other. If we crap out and then we know we have to make some changes, like, fine. Right? I, I don't want that at all. Like, I'd rather us make the tournament. Like, I, I root for Villanova in every game. I'm not rooting against anybody or anything. Right? Like, period. Obviously, then, the best possible result is that we have something that's definitively good. Right? Like... Like, give me something that's like, I don't want to be a seven to 10 seed, right? I want to be a, if you're going to be good, go be good. 
right? Like go, go be impressive. Go get that four, five, three, three, four, five seed if you can, right? Like the resume is there, like the wins are there for it. You go out and you and you have a really good Big East conference season. Like we could win the conference still and get into like a top three seed line. Yeah. Like like full full stop. If we meander and are solid, but meander a little bit, to the, like the way I kind of laid out the schedule before, to like a 12 and six, we're still going to probably be a six, seven seed, which is fine. I just don't want to see us be like 11 and nine, win again, go one and one in the Big East tournament, and then be a, and then be like an eight seed, right? Like it's just, it's just not like, yeah, do you have an opportunity to pull one game out of your ass and, and like and make a sweet 16 and and have like a, a cool tournament run because you knocked off a one seat. Yeah, you, that's a you have that opportunity. But I really just prefer that we actually like get it done and actually have a and have a definitive answer on this season so that we can have some so that we can have something to chew on in the offseason. Just going and being an eight nine seed and and winning a game and then losing to a one seed is just it's not fun. It's like good that you made a tournament. You feel good that you got off the schneid, like and didn't. The one seeds like, don't always win. Ask Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fully understanding of of history there, but it's just like a non. It's like the equivalent of being being an eighth seed in the NBA, where it's like cool. You're not in the lottery, and you're not good enough to win a championship. I'd agree there. Um, my biggest thing is uh, I want to win the games that we're supposed to win, win some of the games we're not supposed to win, and um, and then win all the rest, and too. then win all the games in between. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> especially like we talked about that that middle of the pack Big East is just going to be a bloodbath, and I'm I'm just worried that we're going to hurt ourselves by not taking care of business there. So I I really just want to uh, ensure that we win those games we're supposed to win. Um, my next big one would just be sharing the ball and, uh, having fun. Like it's, it's hard to take, like I said, it's hard to take much away from the DePaul result just because of how bad they are. But like the guys were sharing the ball. We had our, probably our max on assists of the season. I'm not even going to check. I'm just going to say that it was, um, and, um, like the guys just looked like they were having more fun. Obviously when you're trying to do a dunk contest with like eight minutes left in a game, like, yeah, you're going to be having a good time, but sharing the ball, especially when Justin comes back, like we touched on earlier, just making sure it doesn't stick um, and keep that offense evolving and, and moving. Um, and uh, just hoping our shooting comes back to reality. Yeah. Uh, mine is on shooting. You guys are being, not vague, but like, come on, we're setting smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, whatever the R stands attainable. for. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I like want consultant. <laughs> that's my that's my consultant <laughs> background, baby. Whatever the R is. Um, I want the three point percentage. We're currently at thirty three point four percent. Give me thirty five point four percent by end of year. That's my resolution for this team. Regression to yep. mean Brian. We are thirty five point four percent at end of year. I will pre-book my ticket to wherever the elite eight is. I'm just we're we're, put, we're throwing out we're throwing out shit, hoping it sticks. But it might be Boston. Uh, it is. Oh yeah, 
Well, wait, wait, wait. I will necessarily be there, but and Elite Eight will be in Boston. Yeah, Yeah, I will. So I will be at the Elite Eight in Boston no matter what. So um, actually, I will be. I'm setting specific goals. I know that I can. I will be at the Elite Eight in Boston. Um, (laughs) And then the other one, uh, I just want to see like, and this one's like for Kyle. I want to see just like more, and we're gonna get a little like more vague here, but just like ownership of the lineup. I think he's doing a good job experimenting i think as we start to go through like and i think i mentioned this on the last pod figuring out all right who's the eight or nine we're rolling with in the first half and then who's the like six seven and who's situational for the second half when things get tight and then when things are loose and free like cool like let them have fun we did that versus DePaul. but for kyle it's just like continued improvement in that like i think we've seen him start to understand it a little bit more and start to get a little bit more ownership of it. It's been a little bit less hockey subs. Um, so I just like want to see more improvement for Kyle. So that's my resolution for him, but specifically 35.4%, put it on a sticky note, put it on the board team. That's what we're aiming for. Love it. Love that for us. Big goals. That was it. Yeah. I think yeah. We're good. Nana and Joku. That's it. That's, that's it. That's the tweet. I made a list of resolutions and and my last one just says Nana and Joku. I don't know if I forgot to like continue writing them or that was just my I want him to continue getting minutes or something. But that was literally just like the last one on the list is just Nana and Joku. We finish every pod. Do you guys want to share any of your personal New Year's resolutions? Sure. Let me look at my phone. I keep. Uh, I gotta lose weight. I don't believe again. in personal resolutions. Yeah. No, lose weight again. That's going to be my biggest one. Losing weight's a good one. Yeah, mine is to become less humble. <laughs> mine's, mine's to stop. So so if for those of you that don't know Brian like we do, um, his way of communicating via text is, depending on how much respect he has for someone, he will spell their name correctly or incorrectly. And I have found that bleeding into my personal life where I will start misspelling people's names intentionally. So mine is to stop becoming more like Brian. <laughs> I'm an influencer. <laughs> uh, I want to go to Canada this year. So that's one of mine. Cool. Oh, and you're close to the Western part of Canada. That's much more welcoming. I'm going to go to Vancouver. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I was in um, Quebec with a friend once and we were in a cab. Cab driver was obviously from Quebec, and my buddy was like, "Oh, I have a friend from Vancouver," and he was like, basically asking the cab driver if he knew him. And I'm like, just to give you the geographical layout, just ask the guy in Boston if he knows your friend in Seattle. Well, did he? No, the cab. cab yeah, driver totally. Like, no, I, I Best friends. Best friends. Yeah. All right. Uh, my my uh, another re- resolution that I'll tie back to basketball is I actually want to get to a few away games this year. Um, that'll be I want to get to uh, like I always go to St. John's and Seton Hall, but I would love to get I want to get to at UConn. I'd love to get to the to the Amp slash Dunk. Chris, we can uh, plan that. I'll be back by then. Okay, I have no desire to go to um, to go to Georgetown. So I've done that already, and that sucks. Were you going to say Pearl Harbor? I have no desire to go to I Pearl Harbor. I thought you were going to say Purdue. I, 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 I like no desire to go to Purdue. Was start with None. A yeah. None. Uh, Mackie looks cool. 
Don't care. I don't, yeah. I don't need to go. <laughs> I, like I, yeah. at some point in time in my life, I assume I'll get to Hinkle Fieldhouse. Yeah, that's to... that's more of like a life board thing for me is to get to an away game in in all the for all the Big East teams. Maybe not DePaul, but you never know. It looks like a nice arena at least. I don't know. It's a nice arena, and yeah. it's Chicago, so yeah. like there are worse places you could go. Hinkle yeah, feels like terrible, a... but. Hinkle feels like a place I'll take my family when I drag them on a road trip, and I'm like, "Oh, look where we can stop!" <laughs> and then like <laughs> only and three make... and a half hours out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah and I just drag. Yeah, <laughs> eat Culver's twice around there. So, <laughs> um, okay, all right, that's all I got. All right, all right. we get back. When are we when back? Before we're not back before Xavier. We're we're back after. No, back after Xavier. After, back after yeah. this. I think we're back after. Um, we're back after Xavier and St. John's. So, okay. uh, or we're doing something pre-St. John's with the St. John's podcast. We'll let you know. We'll let everybody know. We got some stuff to figure out with uh, St. John's podcast. It's nebulous. It's the holidays. Whatever. Have yeah, a happy. No one year, knows what all. time it yeah. is. It's <laughs> it's somewhere between twelve twenty-four and one two. So, Mm -hmm. all right. Thanks everybody for listening. And as always, let's go Nova. Nova.